This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. We did what we had to do. Was it a perfect game by us? By no means. But when you have a desperate team like Arizona, we just getting the lead was imperative for us, and the guys did what they had to do. And you can't go out to the three nothing lead. And uh, like I said, we didn't play our, you know, especially that second period. We, we probably didn't have the urgency we needed, but the guys did what they had to do, and we'll just take the two points and move on. Oh, that's right, John Cooper. Remember these these points in October, folks. They mean something. And the Lightning are starting to put you know a couple of decent efforts together, and not a surprise. They've picked up some wins. And Dave, I think the Lightning are in playoff position right now. My goodness, my goodness. And I know our <laughs> audience was panicking a bit, but we're here to tell you that it's a long season. We didn't think the Lightning were gonna play poorly through an 82 game season there's going to be some ebbs and flows and there still will be Dave but you yeah. know what they took care of business against two teams they should have Let, let's be very practical about it Pittsburgh and Arizona Pittsburgh depleted Arizona rebuilding that's kind of a good way to to get your game going and and start to head in that nice direction as we get ready for that game Monday against the Caps it is way 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 too early to start watching the standings now, if you're Montreal, for example, and you started, what, 0-5, and, and they had a big win last night. They had one win before that. I mean, it's still probably not productive to look at the standings, but but when you start 0-5, 1-6, now 2-6, I guess, that is that is like a five-alarm fire, and, and you need to pull yourself up the standings yesterday. The Lightning were never really in that boat. And if people are worrying about the standings as we speak on October 29th, then what I would recommend is if you're going to expend energy kind of thinking about how are the Lightning going to get into the playoffs, I do think following the point trajectory for, for one team, independent of what the other teams are doing, that, that's probably a, a truer marker. Yeah. Of, of where you need to get. And we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, 12 points in 10 games will keep you at playoff pace. If you're below that, you could still get in the playoffs, but it's better to be at that pace. The Lightning or like, they have a shot to get 12 points through the first 10 games. And even if they don't, if they, I mean, they have nine at this point. If they stay at nine... Is it the end of the world? No, it just means that at some point they're probably going to have to make up some of those points down the road. But the the two wins in the last two games definitely helped, but they were never in a dire position like some of these other teams, like Arizona, for example, which has come out of the gates very slowly. One point in seven games. And you'll, you'll hear the team talk about this. It's... A lot of it, it's about the process. Yeah, and, and like the, the the comment, Greg, you know, you can't win the Stanley Cup in October, but you can lose it in a way. Like, you can put yourself in such a deep hole that just making the playoffs becomes a huge hard. challenge. Very hard. Yeah. And, and the Lightning were never in that boat. I think that a lot of the Lightning fans would like to have seen them up where, like, Carolina and Florida – and Edmonton are at the start of the year. Those teams have gotten off to great starts. That didn't happen. You know, it's with this team, they're going to be judged always, Dave, as long as the score is in place of, of how well they do in the postseason. And I think that's a good thing when you get to this point as an organization. What you do in the regular season, I think it's it's about identifying guys and what their roles are going to be. I, I think that's a big part. When you're in the position Tampa Bay is in, yeah, I mean, of course, you want to be playing really well. You want to be clicking on all cylinders. Boy, is that a, a used-up cliche, and, and that's very hard to do. But I, I think, realistically, when we're looking at the Lightning, you're looking at the 82-game season as preparation for the playoffs. How well are you going to prepare to get yourself ready to play in the most intense time of the year? And I think this year, more than the last couple, and something we have illustrated, is that when you have new faces, you want to see how those guys quickly mesh together. How long is that going to take? Some people will say 20 games. 
I have said I, I think it could take the majority of the year, particularly when Nikita Kucherov comes back, Dave. We found out the other day, obviously, eight to ten weeks with that uh, procedure done to the lower body. So I think for the team now, and I, I asked this question yesterday on the broadcast to Brian Burns, and, and maybe we can discuss it a little bit. But the point being, with this Lightning team, because of where they are and the type of team that they have, that this season is about getting ready for the playoffs more so than a team like Montreal or somebody else who isn't a shoe in to make the postseason. And and, and I know whatever I understand that the Lightning aren't a shoe in, and, and so don't misread that. But we feel very confident they're going to be playing in the postseason. And so you want to see guys like Taylor Radish and Corey Perry and Barry Boulay and you know Foot when he comes back and. Maybe somebody else, like a Sorelli, taking on a, a little bit bigger of a role, maybe with Kucherov being out offensively. What, whatever the player is or whatever the line situation is, Dave, I think you just want to see those guys kind of take steps in their, in their progression. And I actually think we're starting to see that, at least for me, the last couple of days. I think you've been a little more impressed with Radish um, earlier than I was, but I feel like the last couple of games he's been noticeable. I think that fourth line is looking better, and you know I think once Corey Perry gets that first Dave, I think he'll feel a bit better about his game. But I, I think there are really some positive developments that are occurring, fully understanding this team isn't anywhere close where they're going to be, hopefully late in the season and the start of the playoffs. But I acknowledge that, and um, for me, it's it's probably for a lot of people more about the process than the results right now. Radish has been getting chances. John Cooper was asked about Radish yesterday morning, and, and he used the word confidence, meaning that like that is coming for him, and he'll get even more confidence when he actually gets rewarded. But I don't know if it's that he's anticipating plays – a little more now or he is more decisive in where he needs to be on the ice but I feel that he is quicker to pucks and it's not a foot speed thing I think it has to do with maybe reading the play I don't know I, I mean that might just be me spitballing right now but but there's no question that whatever the reason he's getting dangerous looks and we've seen that now over the last handful of games. And we've seen this from young players before. I remember Braden Point was snake-bitten at the beginning of his rookie year. And Matthew Joseph went, was it a month, I think, his rookie year? And he was getting chance after chance after chance. And it wouldn't go in. We see this sometimes from, from young players trying to kind of burst the bubble there and get their first NHL goal. But you mentioned the process a couple of times. And if we look at last night's game, that was not a Picasso. It wasn't. I used the expression in my extra shift, the Lightning took care of business, and I also read Joe Smith use that expression. Is Dave is and, um and is he listening to our show? I, I don't think I, I think we were writing <laughs> independently, potentially at the same time when he probably wrote his before me, but I, I tell you on my on my honor. I did not see his article until shortly before we went on the air and my article had been written and posted at that point. But there's a reason that we we reached kind of the same conclusion. When you say they took care of business, you have said that a lot. You've used that expression when it's been applicable. Is like this is a game that the Lightning really needed two points out of that game. They were at home. They were playing a winless team, decimated by injuries, a team that is expected to finish near the bottom of the standings, and they were still looking for their first home win. They needed to get two points last night. Did they overwhelm Arizona and dominate the Coyotes in a way that we've we've seen them dominate opponents before and just like everything was buttoned up and there were very few chances against was it like a closeout game for the Lightning in some of these playoff series that we've seen? No, 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 no. It was nothing like that. They gave up some chances. They ceded possession. They relied on Vasilevsky. They got some puck luck again. Second straight game. 
Coyotes hit some posts. But they did take care of business, and the way they were able to do it was kind of the role reversal from Monday's game in Buffalo, which I think was more pronounced in Buffalo than what happened last night. But in other words, the Lightning carried play more in Buffalo and lost because they made some mistakes more than Arizona carried play yesterday and lost because the Coyotes made some mistakes. The The Lightning were were higher on the possession end of things than Buffalo was for much of the game on Monday. But what was similar between the two games was Arizona was the team to make some pretty significant mistakes, either fumbled pucks or bad reads. And the Lightning got some opportunities as a result and buried them. And that's exactly what we said coming out of the Buffalo game, Greg. You know, that Kajula breakaway happened because the Lightning made an error at the offensive blue line. Kalorn's first goal happens because the Coyotes had four guys down low below the circles. So when that, I think it was Kessel threw it in front and they gave an assist to Ruda. I never actually saw a conclusive replay of how Ruda maneuvered the puck back toward the blue line. But once he did, I mean, there was one Coyote back and and everybody else was nowhere to be seen. There was a two-on-one with a three-on-one as Hedman joined the play. That's a significant mistake by Arizona, and it allowed the Lightning to get a glorious chance. Now, Kalorn did the rest, and Stamkos did too, right? Like, they had to make the play there, and they deserve credit for that. On the Kalorn breakaway goal, you know, that's probably not a pass that Gosses Bear should be making to his defense partner who's got Kalorn right in his kitchen. Right. And... It was a tough pass. It handcuffed Mayo. And now Kalorn's by him. If Gossespair goes behind the net, there's no breakaway for Kalorn. So, look, hockey's a game of mistakes. Arizona made some mistakes last night, despite actually, you know, playing hard and, and they had a lot second of energy period. to their game. They yeah, I mean, I thought period. they had an honest effort, the Coyotes. Yeah. They did not look like a team that was downtrodden by an 0-5-1 star, and maybe the fight at the beginning of the game, which you can get into. Like, I thought that served an important role for both teams, actually. But Liam O'Brien's trying to get his team like, all right, boys, let's go. We are playing today. We've had two days to stew on this last loss. We are bringing it tonight. And I thought they did, but in bringing it, they made those two pretty significant mistakes, I would say, in the first period the Lightning were able to to capitalize on those, and now you got a multi-goal lead. And then when the power play converts, which was a retaliatory penalty by Ladd, which, you know, that happens. I'm not sure that has anything to do with the early fight from Liam O'Brien. But, you know, the Lightning made made the Coyotes pay for that penalty that Ladd took. And so now you get a three-goal lead. And the Lightning were in a position to kind of manage the final 40 minutes. They did not play picture-perfect hockey, though. I would even include in the first period. I mean, the, the Coyotes had some fairly dangerous looks. Some point shots that were like screens, skipping on Vasilevsky. Labushkin had one early. Strawman had one early. Kessel, Kessel, Kessel had, had a couple, couple of shots in the early first. On. Yeah, and the early shorthanded on. bid from Jay Beagle. And look, I'm not going to belabor the point again about analytics, but I read Eric's article. This is not an Eric. He's getting the stats from wherever he gets it. But he had in there that the Lightning allowed X number of, however he put it, but he said, you know, the Coyotes had some scoring chances in the first, but zero high danger chances. I'm like, did you see the Jay Beagle shorthanded chance? Whoever was tracking this, were you watching this game? That was a chance that was a high danger chance. That would have been a devastating goal for the Lightning to allow. Where Kraus won the puck first because it didn't come behind the net. Remember the play I'm talking about? Yeah. Vasilevsky couldn't play it because it was outside the trapezoid. I do yeah, I do remember that. Kraus got down there, kind of inside out at Sergachev, got to the front of the net, set a beagle one time. It went past two Lightning players right into the hash marks. Whoever is tracking this stuff, and this is the thing, like whoever is doing it or their team of people who are doing it, this is not an exact science. So I thought Arizona had dangerous looks even in the first. And that one from Beagle 
was a grade-A chance. That was a tremendous scoring chance, shorthanded. But the Lightning got through that. And then, you know, Vasilevsky was really good. He was really, really good yesterday, which is another way of saying the Lightning gave up some chances, which they did. Well, but a couple of things. Arizona never, Arizona never got any closer no. than three goals. Listen, the and that, reason, that stems back to what happened in the first period. The, and there's a talent disparity between the two teams. If that's not Jay Beagle in front and somebody else, maybe like a Phil Kessel, maybe that's a goal. I mean, it, maybe. these are yeah. these are breaks. We, we have no way of knowing. I like Jay Beagle, and you do too. I think he's a, a consummate professional, very good fourth liner still probably to this day. I actually thought a couple of things. I thought Kraus was their best player. Yeah. Um, I did not notice Keller at all. Honestly, Dave, I, I, I didn't – I mean, he's their most impactful guy probably yeah. next to Phil. I didn't notice him. And I think for a team like Arizona, in a game like that, you probably need your best players to play at such a high level even to Yeah, beat. and Hayton, Hayton had an assist on the Krause goal, but I, I don't – and look, it was his first game in the NHL this year. He's played in the NHL before, but, I mean, he is a – he is a blue chip prospect. They feel is going to be a yeah, and that's piece fine. for their team. And he had kind of a relative to the rest of the team. Yeah, <laughs> he had kind of a quiet night. And you know what? I uh, their goaltender, uh, he he looked pretty good. Uh, I'm not gonna you know like uh, understand probably thrown into a tough situation there. And you know I'm not sure he could have done anything on the the two Cologne yeah. goals. And you know Stamkos kind of throws one in front and it goes off. But I mean. Look, 22-year-old kid, 6'5". I think there's some tools there. Don't know what his future is. But I, I didn't think they lost that game because of their goaltending. And that could have been a disaster, I think, for Arizona with yeah. their goaltending situation, even with the Lightning and their depleted lineup a bit. But I, I, I thought all in all, I thought you, you worded it very well. Um, I thought there were some opportunities. Every NHL team, D Dave, even if they have a lot of younger players or not proven players, they're going to make a push at some point in a game. And we saw that with Pittsburgh. Um, that one little flurry they had where it was the Dominic Simone line and they were pressuring and, and the Lightning go back the other way and get Palat's goal. Yeah. That was probably the only time Pittsburgh really pressured and based off of everybody that was out of the lineup, you can understand it. But every NHL team, regardless of who you are, is going to have, I think, a moment or two in a game where the puck is following them and they've got to make the most of it. Arizona was not able to do that consistently, and Tampa Bay was able to take advantage of some situations. So I think all in all, you look at that game and you say the Lightning did what they were supposed to do, and there were some good things that developed because of that win that they now, I think, can carry into the Monday game. See, I, I look at it a little differently. I think it's positive that they won. It's positive that they scored. It's positive they got the lead. But they're going to need to play much better defensively against Washington on Monday. I think the coaching staff understands that. I think the players that's, know that. That's a lot easier to kind of swallow when you just won a game 5-1. I don't think the Lightning are in a position where they won the game 5-1 and they had some leaky parts to their game and they're saying, yeah, we're good. I mean, everybody said... Coop mentioned the second period. Steve played the clip. Kalorn, I think, mentioned the, the second and the third. I think he might have said the final 40 minutes. Like, they aren't kidding themselves that they were a little loose. But some of that is related to score effects. You know, you have a multi-goal lead early. Sometimes your attention to detail can, can sag a little bit. And I will say this, when Kraus did score to make it 4-1, the Lightning kind of snapped back to attention. <laughs> like they had they had three or four really good shifts in a row and then Schuster ends up scoring to to make it 5-1. So let's just let's just play this out. Let's say let's say it's 3-0 early second and Arizona scores to make it 3-1. We don't know that the 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 rest of the game is kind of unfold the way that it did where you know the lightning didn't have as much puck possession and Vasilevsky was was making some key saves maybe the lightning kind of snapped back to attention just like they did after the Kraus goal earlier in the game but if we are judging them on process there were some good parts to last night's game but there were also parts that I think they need to to tighten up 
but but as you do that, you want to be able to do that as you're putting points in the bank. And and that's probably right now that's a really important part of it because as you mentioned at the top of the show, they've now gotten 4 points in the last 2 and they are in a much better position with their record than they were after Monday's game. And understanding, too, you know, defensively, the numbers show, Dave, that they've been better. I think, to your point, there have been a couple of breakdowns. They're going to have to be better defensively than what they were last night. Some of that might be the opponent, too. I think when you're going against the better opponent. And Washington's going to have their attention. And they will. Um, But you know what, though? There are some good things there. This team has to defend, uh, especially with, with Cooch out. And I think those are positive developments moving forward but we'll find out they need to take that next step on well here's here's what i'll close with yeah and then we can we can move on to another topic it's hard to replicate this but if we're going to look at the optimum standard of how to play with a lead look at the third period of tuesday's game in pittsburgh correct now the other team has something to do with that and the penguins weren't able to push as much as they had in the second period but Nobody can convince me that the Lightning's performance in the third period on Tuesday in Pittsburgh was the same as what we saw, let's say, in the second period last night. Even though they actually did better statistically in the second period last night because they allowed zero goals and they allowed one in the third period of the Tuesday game in Pittsburgh. That's the Greg Linnelli eye test, right? You watch how they executed. It was just clean as can be. Like they just stood up their blue line. They were they were terrific with their puck management. They got pucks in deep. They had a ton of possession. The Penguins could get no jump to their game. And and the Lightning weren't at that standard last night defensively. But that's okay. It's okay because they won the game. Agreed. And that's where I guess, you know, in a way, the the result is also really important. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You just don't want to see them, you know, giving up chances like that and leaning on Vasilevsky game in, game out. But no. they haven't. They haven't done that. No. I'm just saying, like, there are degrees of excellence, right? And And they hit a very, very high standard in the third period in Pittsburgh playing with the lead. And they weren't at that standard last night. But that's okay. They built the early lead, and, and they didn't really need to be at that standard based on not. the guy they have between the pipes. That's a good point. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. He is Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Lanelli. I want to get into Steve Ersink is producing one more lightning topic, at least in this segment. We want to get into Joel Quenville. That was news. Yeah, that, that is news last since night. we last talked. We will, we'll get into that maybe in the next break. We are getting some questions coming in and some comments that we want to address. One of the questions, Dave, we threw out, and I know sometimes you don't like a blanket comment or question because there are a lot of things that can go into individual performances, but I think it has caught my attention. So you can answer this one. So I will, but I I, I, I always (laughs) love your feedback. I'll I'll try and answer it. Particularly with, you know, Kucherov being out and the players they did lose in the offseason. And, you know, some would say, okay, where was the offense going to come from? And one of the questions we had was, has Alex Kalorn been the team's best forward early on? Now, look, there are, I think, a couple of guys that do come to mind when you're answering this question. And when I say best forward, let's be fair. This probably means who's been the most consistent offensively, because sometimes we have a tendency to say who's playing, who's putting up the most points. And because who's putting up the most points, that means they're probably their best player or best forward. Sometimes it's usually how that works. But regardless if you agree with that comment or not, I think it's fair to say that Alex Kalorn, Dave, has gotten off to a tremendous start this year. Maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it's not. He's got six goals, and yeah. he's been he's been consistent. He's been consistently good. Maybe that's something early on in his career, Dave, that eluded him, like it does, I think, a lot of players. I think what separates the great players from the average to even good players is consistently being productive. You know, you don't go through 10 games and not record a point or a goal. I, I feel like Alex Kalorn, even though he's a little older, has started to turn that corner in his career where he has become a pretty dependable offensive player. And when I say dependable, I want to say consistent performer. 
I don't know if he's ever going to be the 35, maybe even 30-goal scorer that a lot of people envisioned maybe when he first came in because he had a really good shot and he's got some size. Maybe that does happen, Dave. I don't want to pigeonhole somebody in terms of what their potential could be. But it does feel like Alex Kalorn is getting better with age. It's nice to see. And I feel like he is kind of leading the charge a little bit here with the Lightning having to fit a lot of different pieces into this puzzle. He's been the one guy who's who's been fitting very well, I think, with this team over the last couple of years. Well, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I, I think that it's great for Alex that he's getting off to a hot start. He's always been a bit of a streaky goal scorer. It's just like he said, he usually gets off to a slow start. I think there was right. one year, which ironically was the year the Lightning missed the playoffs during this this run with John Cooper, 16-17, where he had a similarly hot start. And the Lightning actually, that 16-17 season, they missed the playoffs because what they did in the because of what they did in the middle part of the season. Yeah. They were actually in okay shape up until about Thanksgiving. And then they, they really struggled in December and January. But Kalorn's hot start coincided with them getting off to a pretty good start themselves. So, look, it's good for him. It's good for his confidence. Four of the six goals have come in the last three games. He did get one empty netter. You want to say, all right, well, that's that's candy. But in that same game, the Pittsburgh game, he had a great assist to point on the first goal. That one-touch pass up the middle of the ice from Sergachev, which allowed point to come in with Sorelli in the two-on-one and score. You asked the question, has he been their best forward? I guess... The reason I have a hard time answering that question, why you're right, I, I tend to not really give you the type of answer that maybe you're looking for. for Come on, Dave. Those sweeping questions like that. And the reason is this. I think that the Lightning have not completely gotten in sync in this early part of the season. Maybe they're starting to now as they've strung a couple of wins together. But I think that we would be fair in saying that they have another level they can get to, and we've detailed the reasons why. Some new players getting integrated into the lineup, figuring out new line combinations, unexpected injuries, notably to Kucherov, but you know, also Bogosian went out in the first game. And I think there have been some stretches in games in which the Lightning have competed hard, but they haven't really got their engine humming. And so I think Kalorn has been in the middle of that. I think when he was playing with Sorelli and Stampkos, there were, there were some games where that line looked a little bit more noticeable, but then there are some games where that line looked a little less noticeable. He has been on the top power play. The top power play unit has not really had much of an impact this year. I mean, they scored last night, but, but other than that, just the game in Detroit, and that was it. So I kind of look at the Lightning start as a bit of a mixed bag. And so when you ask me, like, who has been, what was the question, who has been their best forward or most impactful forward? Kalorn has gotten some goals. A lot of them have come in the last three games, as I just said. But I would probably say Stamkos. If you were to say who has been the best forward. Dave, that's what I'm looking he, for. That's what I'm you know, looking well, for. Well, yeah. okay, but I'll give you my reasons yeah, why. I want it. Well, I want so it. he has more points than anybody else, but that's not that's not the only reason. I really like the way he's skating this year. I really like the jump he has in his step. He has talked about feeling healthy at the start of the year and it's been the first time in a while that he has really felt that way. He's shooting the puck really well, clearly. And I just mentioned, you know, when he was playing that line with with Sorelli and Kalorn, there were points where that line was more noticeable, and there were points when that line was a little less noticeable, and he was involved in that too. But I think based on what I have seen, and maybe it's it's kind of it, it's kind of almost like grading on a curve because Stamkos has not been able due to injuries and surgeries and all of that and you know when he has had to rehab and and this offseason he was able to just focus on on getting ready for the start of the season as opposed to rehabbing something I think that he has elevated his play from 
maybe other starts more. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So, yeah, I does. mean, it's not that Stamkos has been appreciably better than Kalorn, let's say, particularly because they've been playing together for much of the season. But I would say that Stamkos has been – it has been pleasantly noticeable to see Stamkos skate the way that he is skating. And I think that's a function of him being healthy and engaged and shooting the puck really well. And so I, w- I would say him and the other guy I would mention – and kind of along the same lines, based on what he was dealing with last year for the second half of last year into the playoffs, has been Hedman. Now, has Hedman been perfect every single game? Has Stamkos been perfect every single game? No, but you can see Hedman's healthy, right? And he has had some moments in games this year where he has been extremely impactful. Notably, that Detroit comeback win. That's probably at the top of the list, but... I mean, we just talked about Corn's first goal. It was a two-on-one. How did it become a three-on-one? Headman. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Stamkos' overtime goal in Washington. Why was why was Stamkos open down the wing to be able to shoot the puck? Hedman. Hedman jumped into the play and, and got down the ice ahead of Ovechkin to create a two-on-one. So because you asked, <laughs> those, well, that's those exactly are my, what those are my it, two, and the funny but thing I'm is, not, I'm not disputing the fact that Kalorn has had a good start and he's had a really like the, good week. The funny he's had thing a really is, good week. yeah. And the funny thing is, I feel like maybe it's more about, it's more than just the goals, although that is a big part of it, because I think that is something that has prevented Kalorn from really becoming maybe the power forward that a lot of people envisioned him, David, maybe that was unfair. But I think they looked at the size, the shot, and they felt like, all right, this guy, pencil him in 25 goals, 30 goals a year. He has that potential. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's not fair to Kalorn, but, you know, we look, we put labels on guys all the time. It's not just us. Scouts do it, and they can't help themselves. But it feels like Stamkos and Kalorn, maybe this is, this is how I would phrase it, maybe they're standing out a little bit more this year because I feel like they've been consistent. And I feel yeah, like you're, yeah, you're getting a, a pretty word. good effort. I think you're getting a fair and a pretty productive effort game in and game out it's not always going to happen every game i think you and i have, have pretty much put that to rest where it's hard to be really good for 82 games it, it just is sometimes you don't have your legs sometimes the other team does a good job of locking you down sometimes you just the puck doesn't follow you i feel like Kalorn and stamkos have been as consistent at the forward position than anybody so far this season and it's just an observation and I'm curious what other people think at Bolts Radio. Lucas, our good friend Dave, actually has this. This is a pretty funny tweet. He goes, Stephen, quote, please put me on Team Canada, end quote. Stamkos has been <laughs> playing out of his mind. He's noticeable every time he's on the ice, no matter who Cooper puts on a line with him. Well, he is back at center for reels now. <laughs> so I use my, my slang talk. For That's reals. about as I will get. That's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. I don't know if you watched that show. Um, my wife and I watched it. Nice. Previously, and now we're re-watching it with, with the kids, and they're really liking it. But anyway, Stamkos is back at center where he's not only taking face-offs, but he's in the middle playing where he is right now with, what, Joseph and Palat, as opposed to playing with Sorelli, who's really more of the center on that line, even if sometimes Stamkos took the face off. Well, what do you make of Stamkos if that were to be a permanent move? Well, we'll see. I mean, nothing is permanent with John nothing. Cooper, though. I think we but know I mean, that. do you like, you've seen him a lot over your over your time, and I, I understand yeah. he's had injuries. And, and well, maybe I think he's not... he was, yeah, but I think he was skating well when he was on the other line, too, playing oh, with great. Sorelli. Okay. So, I mean, in the middle, it is true. Maybe you have a little bit more room to to move up the ice because you are in the middle often, even though the, the lightning players sometimes crisscross when they're, when they're skating up with possession and, and trying to attack the offensive zone. But it's interesting that Lucas brought that up about Stamkos because that was something that Joe had in his article today where it wasn't so much a recapitulation of the Arizona game. And, and Joe has talked about this, you know, with the athletic, he can kind of, he got to pick and choose what he wants to write about. And so some of it was about the Arizona game. 
But he had some other topics in there. And, you know, he really said Stamkos is making a push to beyond Team Canada. Or at least he's he he is forcing Team Canada to take notice of him. Well, let's go there. Can we go there before we go to break? Because I think I think that is an interesting part to this because that is motivating. I think that's yeah. mo- that's a motivating factor. Well, and 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 before before we kind of bring that up, just some backstory here. 2010, Stamkos was was probably too young. I mean, he was in his second year and was not picked. 2014, he would have been on the team, but he had broken his leg. In 2018, NHL players didn't go. He has never had a chance, as much as he has competed for Canada in other competitions, including the World Cup, he has never participated in an Olympics. That's pretty incredible. That's a good that's a good nugget yeah. there, Dave. That's a so good it, it, getting a chance this year would mean a lot to him. Well, Dave, and let's be very clear. It's not the same situation. I understand that, but maybe it is, and we don't know who's going to be on that team. Canada's going to be loaded. Yeah. But, you know, Marty had some problems, right, when he wasn't chosen, and we all know about that backstory with Steve Eisman. Well, Julian Breezebois is not the GM of Canada. No, no, he's not. What what I'm saying, I I don't want that. I don't want that to be the same scenario if Stamkos is playing well. Like, there's going to be a lot of guys to choose, but it'd be a hard thing to keep a guy like Stamkos with his presence, his cups, and if he continues this production, Dave, to keep him off the team, even if he was playing on a fourth line. Because I think Steven Stamkos, it's almost like rewarding him mm-hmm. for the years he's put in and some of the adversity he's been he's been faced with over the years but Dave also too I think there's something to be said for a guy who is being productive that can help you in a lot of ways that has also won now championships I do think that's meaningful I think it's hard to look at Steven Stamkos and say you know what you're having a really good year this year oh by the way you were the captain of a team that's won back to back you've never played for us before in this setting John Cooper's the head coach I think Lucas brings up a good point. I, I'm sure that's a driving force in Stamkos really wanting to, to play well, in addition to being healthy, Dave. Let's be clear. Right. But I, I think I think that is something to watch this year because I think that means a lot to Stamkos. Well, I could see a scenario in which Team Canada says, Stamkos can really help our power play. Yes based on his shot because there are a few players in the league that can shoot from that spot on the power play and and score even if the goalie is set maybe unfortunately for Stamkos if that is a consideration one of the other guys in the league that can do that is also Canadian Nathan McKinnon now you want to say we want McKinnon on one power play unit and Stamkos on the other. We want both of them on the same unit. Hey Dave, hey Dave, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, they're both righty shots though, and sure. and where they have had a lot of success in the power play is in that same spot. But there's no doubt that having Stamkos as a weapon on your power play would be would be an important consideration to adding him well even like a fourth line center to i mean i think him. stamkos would would cherish that role yeah i mean look they all want to face offs too i mean face-offs. he's proven to be very reliable and and very good on winning draws but I, 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 or I do, draws. and I, I just think there's something there that he would be honored to be playing for that team and i don't think there would be any issues in terms of what role you gave him yeah i think he would just want to be part of that group and yes it's going to be Top heavy with young talents, and that's fine. Right. I don't think Stamkos is would be clamoring to be a first line center on that team. Not saying he would, obviously. Yeah. I think he'd be excited if you put him on the right wing and told him you're going to play seven minutes a night during these two weeks. I just think it's it's something that we need to think about this year in terms of why Stamkos has been really good. I, I, I think being healthy. And that carrot out there being dangled, playing for Team Canada. As much as we grope about the Olympics and where it is in the season and how many Lightning players are going to be participating and what that could do for their postseason hopes, 
And I do think that's a valid question and concern. I think it is one of the big reasons why Steven Stamkos is having the year he's having. And you know what, folks? That comes at a pretty good time considering the personnel changes this team is going through this year. It's not a bad thing to rely on your captain to pick up the slack a little bit more, and I think that's what we are seeing with Stammer and a couple of other guys as well. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Weigh in on some of our questions. Has Alex Kulorn been the team's best forward early on? And something we're going to get into in our next segment. Has the Blackhawks situation changed your opinion of the people involved? We'll discuss that when we return on Lightning Power Play. The 21st Annual Boat Run, presented by Advent Health, is Saturday, November 13th at Amelie Arena. The Boat Run has something for everyone in the family with a 5K, 5-mile, and 1-mile family fun race. All registrants will receive a finisher's race medal, an official Boat Run t-shirt, and a ticket to a select upcoming lightning game. Virtual race options are also available that include lightning-inspired race routes and playlists. Visit tampabaylightning.com slash boatrun to sign up today. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Could have been a trap game, but, you know, I think we, we came out pretty strong. You know, got it three goals in the first. Uh, power Play was going uh, great. So I, I think, uh, you know, maybe the second we maybe got a little comfortable, but I think overall it was a pretty good game. was a pretty good game. And, boy, Dave, it's really good to see Barry Boulay start to contribute a little bit offensively. Uh, what a play by Sergachev. But you know what? After watching that replay of his goal, that was a heck of a redirect. Yeah. By Bar because that that pass wasn't on the money. I mean Barry Boulet had to like reach and I mean kudos to Sergachev for thinking that far ahead to make that play, but it wasn't like it was right on a stick. I mean Barry Boulet had to do some finessing and that was a that was a heck of a play. Well you can't luck yourself into putting up the point totals that he has put up at the American Hockey League level and the junior hockey league level. He has got some serious skill. It's just transitioning to the NHL game so he can utilize that skill. And that goes to, like, we had that comment yesterday about his skating. Like, he's improved his skating. He may have to improve it more. Maybe he won't. Maybe there are ways that reading plays will allow him or any player to take a more direct path to where he needs to be, right? So there, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as we say. But the ability to tip a puck like that, that has nothing to do with you know skating or you know size or or speed of the game at the NHL level. That's just a player standing at the side of the net with a puck coming to him and showing incredible finesse to be able to deflect the puck the way that he did and control it the way that he did to put it where he wanted it to go. Yep. That's what he can do. I agree. And, you know, I was talking to um, – we were down at the – the media lounge, grabbing some some dinner, Dave. And Matty McConnell, the Coyotes play-by-play guy, sat mm -hmm. at our table. And I had I had forgot, but when I had saw him, I said, "Boy, that guy looks really familiar." Not because yeah, of he did the, the Penguins. He, he did the Penguins for three mm -hmm. years. And so I introduced Atlanta. Myself. I mean, he's yeah, he's been he's everywhere. Been, he's been an experienced broadcaster. He has, and a very nice guy. Yeah, very, very nice, nice guy. guy. Um, and, you know, we were talking. He actually grew up in Pittsburgh. I did not know that. So, of course, we had that immediate bond, Dave. Uh, don't hold that against him. But uh, he actually said, what's up with Barry Boulay? He's like, I was surprised, you know, the Coyotes didn't try and, and claim a guy like that. Um, and we got into, like, the discussions of who had first mm -hmm. dibs on Barry Boulay. But his point was, man, I'm, I'm surprised the Lightning were able to get him back. <laughs> and, you know, we, we was like, yeah, yeah we kind of had that discussion. You know, I'm surprised Seattle, and I know they have players coming back, but it's a young player that – maybe has a little bit more upside that's pretty accomplished at the AHL level. I said, I, yeah, I, I was a little shocked too. And, um, you know, maybe well, we're what starting was to the see order. Seattle was third. Buffalo was, was one, right? What team was second? I don't know. I don't think it was Arizona. Seattle would have gotten him based on their positioning in the order 
to claim a player the first time around. But there's no question the second time Arizona could have claimed him and decided not to. A little weird. And you know what? Maybe had they lost all those players to injury, although one was a defenseman, one was a goalie, but they lost two two forwards to injury on Monday. Yeah. You know, maybe if that waiver transaction had happened after that, they would have claimed him. I believe Anaheim would have been second. Anaheim, yeah. By the way, did I you I thought see it was Anaheim. I didn't want to state it. Does it tell anything? Definitively. Does it say anything to us that Volkov was released from them and then signs a four-year deal to play over in Russia? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? Look, I, I wish I wish him all the best. Yeah. And sometimes guys go to Russia and they kind of find their footing again, like yeah. Yashkin. Yeah, right. Now, Yashkin may not be a long-term fit in Arizona, but he didn't he's look back out of in place. the NHL. He didn't look out of place. No, and he had two really good years at the KHL yeah. level in the KHL. Now, he was playing on, on a Moscow team that was really good, mm-hmm. but maybe he contributed to the fact that they were really good. He had like 60-some-odd points the last That's two years. That's a lot years. of points. That's yeah. a lot of points. Uh, this was a very nice comment from Lisa, Dave. She said, Greg, I was at the game tonight. I interpret for a deaf-slash-visually-impaired man. This was the first game I used the Lightning app to hear Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito and you. This made interpreting so easy. The sound was extremely clear. Thank you and go Bolts. I thought that was really well. Cool. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, I'm a little unclear. Fun. She was she was interpreting to somebody who was also at the game. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. All for that. So kudos to you guys getting it done. Look, there. we. I don't say we because I'm the one doing the play by play. So I'll state my opinion on the matter. I'm pretty descriptive. That that's a conscious choice by me. Yeah. I started that. Or I should say, I made that choice when I first started doing this as a college student. That was a decision I made that on radio, where somebody can't see what's going on, my first priority, or I made it a a, a big priority, was to try and paint a picture. Yeah. Now, not everyone necessarily is descriptive, as as I'm by as descriptive. I'm not talking about the words that they use. I mean, some people are very descriptive in, in how they describe what's going on, but not everyone stays on the puck necessarily as much as I choose to, and that's fine. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. There's no like textbook way to do it. A lot of it comes down to personal choice. But my choice was when I first started and has been throughout all the years that I've been doing this, yep. that choice has been to stay in the puck to try and give as clear a picture of what is happening in the moment as possible. You're not going to get everything. I mean, and sometimes you do have to like pause and like, I might say, you know, lightning are going for a change. Maybe the puck is being moved at that point. Right. So then you kind of have to, to back up and, and let people know what, what is happening, how the power, like puck at center ice, you know, how did the puck get there? Maybe you can't actually say sure. everything, but as much as I possibly can, that has been a choice that I have made about how I want to do play-by-play on the radio, especially for hockey, which is where is the puck, who's got it, and what's he doing? Or she. And sometimes we don't know what they're doing. it's a women's doing. hockey game. And you, you describe it very well, pardon. And uh, you and you – and, uh, that's right, so. but she included you and Phil as well. So I mean, it was the whole it was the whole kin caboodle on the broadcast, which you know allowed her to relay well, that's great. critical information. Yeah. And I'm really happy to hear because I haven't really heard from anyone who's used the pro wire. I'm assuming that's what she's referring to. That the sound was so clear. Yeah. Because I tell you what, we have we have pretty nice head headsets that are supposed to cancel a lot of noise and sometimes we have a hard time hearing with the noise in the building because the noise in the building is loud right yes so i'm glad that she was able to hear what we were saying even as she was in the arena with all the ambient noise around her thank you lisa we yeah, appreciate that a couple you, more questions and then i want to get to quenville real quick al says do you think 29 is sent back down before his 10th game and 30-day call-up period ends. I don't think the Lightning want to lose him, not sure under what circumstances he was called up. 
And he's talking, of course, about Schuster, the goal scoring. Yeah. So if Schuster, Schuster was put on waivers and cleared, and that means that he does not have to clear waivers again until either he has played 10 games or 30 days have passed. Was Schuster an emergency call up? I don't think so. With foot out? I'm not sure and about that. And then when foot comes back, I think he has Yeah, to but the emergency, I don't think the emergency call-up can be indefinite. I mean, you have to, okay. at some point, like that's more of a Band-Aid situation. Okay. Yep. Although, I don't know for sure, Steve. But I guess here's the question. If Schuster does have to go back on waivers, and there's no guarantee that, you know, when foot comes back up, the Lightning may decide to keep seven defensemen. It's certainly possible. Right now they have seven with Clayson. So... I don't know that Schuster is necessarily going back down, and if he goes back down and it's after this 10-game slash 30-day window, what is the likelihood that that you think he would be claimed? I think I guess that's really what the question is, is you, if asking. If you're asking me that question, I think it's pretty low. That he would I mean, you claimed. don't see a lot of players claimed on, on waivers. Barry Boulay was. Yeah. But I, I don't keep think in Schuster mind, would. if you claim a player on waivers... That means you have plans to keep that player on your NHL roster for the rest of the year. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Schuster being claimed, and that's not a knock on him. I just, he's a depth defenseman. I think most organizations have depth defensemen in their minor leagues. Right. You know, they're the Cameron Gonces of the world, so to speak. So, good question. We'll find out. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, but let's say Foot comes back. I mean, let's just run this run this ground ball ahead, out. Yeah. Let's say Foot comes back before the next game. Schuster theoretically could still go back down because we're we have not seen thirty days pass, to the best of my knowledge, if my math is correct, mm-hmm. since the regular season started, and it has not been ten games. So, yeah. But I will just say I would be a little surprised, you know, whenever it is that foot comes back up, if they just, you know, in this case, send Schuster and Clayson back down and just go with six until Bogosian is healthy. Yeah, I would think that would be appropriate. Uh, Dave, let's end maybe on a sour note, although some would say maybe a high note because of the actions taken uh, really by the league, I think, pressuring Joel Quenville. But uh, the official phrase is that, he agreed to resign his duties as head coach of the Panthers. Um, we know about, obviously, him being the Chicago Blackhawks coach when Kyle Beach was assaulted back in 2010. Um, it does look like the Blackhawks have petitioned, as Steve said, it might have been the League or the Hall of Fame to take off his um, Aldrich's name off the cup. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's, uh, you know, whatever. That's fine. That that should happen. I don't know if anybody should be praised for that. To me, that's a no-brainer. But um, I think you and I kind of saw, kind of speculated. I mean, we were kind of like, well, how, how can Quenville still be coaching with these, with this going on? And that's going to be the case. I think the bigger question will be, um, Joel Quenville, will he ever get a job again in the NHL? Um I think emotions are pretty high, and most people will say no. Give it some time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself back in the NHL in some capacity. Well, he got the same qualifier that Bowman and McIsaac yes. got, which is yes. if they are to re-enter the NHL in some capacity, take a job working in the NHL, they would have to first meet with Bettman. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, I Quenville and his age, I don't know if you want to go through that again, but then again, these guys like being in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's easier said than done. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with Quenville. I think the league did the right thing for sure. I yeah, think, do we have any doubt what's going to happen with Shevel Day off at this point? Yeah, I mean, he's done. I mean, right? how Yeah. How can they not dole out the same punishment? Yeah, he's done. Um, if you want to call it punishment, I mean, all of these people resigned, but I, I'm sure that this wasn't just them saying, yes, I feel I should resign. We asked I mean, the question. It came, after, it came after this meeting with the league, right? It did. It did. Now, do you think it came directly from the league? That he had to resign? Well, I guess the, the McIsaac-Bowman thing, I kind of asked this question when the news broke. Do you think that that came from the Blackhawks, said to them, you need to resign? 
Or do you think it came from the league? I think it came. I think the league probably hinted very strongly to Chicago yeah. that you need to. I, I think Gary Bettman was holding the hands of everybody involved and telling them who the who their daddy was and what they needed to do. And I think that's what happened in this situation. We asked the question, and we'll end with this: Has the Blackhawks situation changed your opinion when it comes to the people involved? And Dave, that can be the general manager, that can be the head coach. And I think an interesting question are the players. There have been a lot of people on Twitter who have taken umbrage with not only the the head coach, but the captain of that team, Patrick Kane, and what they didn't do and how it has irked some people, Jonathan Taves' remarks, since the these allegations and investigation came out, basically not acknowledging what happened and, and kind of sticking up for the 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 men who were res, who resigned and kind of being tone deaf to it. I mean, take that for what it is. I don't think that's a great look, obviously. But has it changed your view and how you look at these people? I mean, I, I think how can it not? Uh, is it going to change how you look at them in terms of what their status will be getting into the Hall of Fame? If that is a discussion down the road, probably not. I think it's just going to be your personal opinion of how you look at these players, and I don't know what it does long-term to their reputation, to be honest, Dave. I, I'm trying to be fair here. I'm, I don't know if it does a lot, to be honest, but uh, it does change mine uh, a little bit because we've heard so much about Jonathan Taves and you know this wonderful captain and, and how great he is here and there. Part of being a captain is not only on the ice but off the ice, making sure that locker room, whether you're the first – first line center and star player or whether you're a black ace mm-hmm. is probably treating people with respect and well let me ask you uh, i'm going to go to the player part first go ahead but i want to start with a question for you because there's been this discussion about hall of fame players in different sports i don't know that we've ever really had this discussion about hockey players but if we're looking at Patrick Kane as a Hall of Famer at some point, and maybe Taves as well, certainly he has the cups and, and the pedigree as a captain of a team that, that did extremely well during his tenure as captain, which is still ongoing. Do you feel that admission to a Hall of Fame in a certain sport should include kind of these quote-unquote character considerations, or is it strictly about performance the old Ty Cobb argument not that I'm I'm equating what what was said about Ty Cobb and the fact that he was ornery right and slid into second base with his spikes up and and all of that it might have been a little racist <laughs> right but, at but you the know time, what, honestly, it, but also I think the mores of the time you have to take all of that into account right let's have a very... um but you know there's no question that that you know about him going into the Hall of Fame and and subsequently, you know, people say, well, Ty Cobb wasn't, you know, a choir boy, but got into the Hall of Fame. I'm just wondering what you think about that. Go, like if the Hall of Fame her. consideration should include elements outside of the performance on the field or ice or whatever. I don't think it should because I think it is on the field. And I think a great example of that is Ray Lewis. Say what you want about that. Yeah. Ray Lewis, much deeper trouble. <laughs> Right. Anything that happened. Well, As opposed to, let's say, a guy who used steroids. PED. Right. Correct. Where that Correct. that was a bad maybe choice, but it also affected in a in a it, like it skewed their ability on the field in a in a way that made them be more productive than they might have otherwise. Probably been. you can't put put a broad blanket on that. Because I think each scenario, like, you know, there, there's the Pete Rose situation. There is yeah. the there's steroids and performance enhancing. There is, did you murder somebody? <laughs> you know, O.J. Simpson. Is he still in the Hall of Fame, right? O.J. Simpson? He's still looking for I kind of took healer. you off topic here. I do want to okay. bring it back to That's to okay. But to, to your point, I, I don't think this, it's going to affect, I don't think it's going to affect Patrick Kane, who I think is a shoe in I do not think that's the case with Taves. I, I just never looked at Taves as a Hall of Fame player. I think yeah. he's going to have... There was a lot of build up with him. I thought he was a really good player. I'm not sure he was uh, a dynamic player. And whatever. Okay. That, that's that, fair that. enough. Uh, Quenville obviously is in. 
Uh, I don't think that's going to change his status. Yeah. I think this is more of just But, you know, it's human beings that are voting on this. So nothing is guaranteed. No. And, and maybe at the no, time no. When, when they are potentially, you know, eligible, not potentially eligible, at the time that they will be eligible, maybe this will be a consideration. I'm, I'm going to say one other thing about the players, which, which struck me because it came from Phil, not about the players, but he said this about yeah. management. I think the same is true about the players. Because I didn't talk to Phil since this news broke. So he walked in last night to the radio booth and he just shook his head and he said the minute this came out, they needed to come clean about it. And the reason he said they needed to come clean about it, he said, it's going to come out. This stuff always comes out. No secrets. No secrets. You got to yeah. own it right from the beginning. Not that he's saying like, if it wouldn't have come out, you shouldn't have said anything. But like, he is... He is looking at this from the standpoint of do we do we get in front of this do we have this situation do we get in front of this now or do we shelve it and then we have to answer for it later cuz we are going to have to answer for it later. I don't want to hear And I think I think in a way Greg the same may be true for these players now that are saying I didn't know anything. Because if they did know, if what Brent Sopel is is saying is true, all the players knew, don't you think at some point, at some point, we're gonna we're gonna hear hard evidence that these guys did know? I would agree. Maybe they didn't. You know, maybe I would agree maybe Sopel is mistaken and these guys are saying it and and we're never gonna hear anything about it. But if they did know what are the odds that we're going to hear something at some point in the future that basically forces them to to revise their story? As which I is kind of what kids, happened to Quenville, right? I, and Shevel Dayoff. As I tell my kids, it's always better to tell the truth than to either not say anything or tell a lie. And I think we found that out with the Chicago Blackhawks. This will stain their reputation forever. And I, I, I'll just end on this. When it comes to topics that are non-ice related in the NHL, I don't want to hear any of these NHL players lecture me on <laughs> how to be as a person. I just don't want to hear any of it. Not that they do all the time, but you know, you you get snippets here and there of you know we need to be this and we need to be that and we need to be more inclusive and accept everybody and, and this and that. Oh, that that's all fine that messaging's great you failed at the highest level to protect one of your own shut your mouth and figure out how you can become a better person and i hope they do because this was egregious and some somebody's life was completely wrecked because you had a bunch of gutless people in that locker room and behind that bench who chose to not do what was right, Dave. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is, choosing right over wrong. It's pretty simple, but it's hard to do. This was a really easy decision. As I said before, you had a video coach who you just, you could have cut loose, and you chose to protect him over one of your guys. So I don't want to be lectured on anything when it comes to off-the-ice issues from those players especially. But they need some growing up to do, and I think they're going to pay that price for a long, long time uh, based off of how people look at them from here on out. And hopefully they change for the better. I think that's the other thing. Hopefully they learn from that and it doesn't happen again. But shame on them and shame on that organization for choosing a video coordinator over one of their own players, over sexual assault. That's all you need to know about the Chicago Blackhawks. And we're going to end on that note, Dave. There's nothing left for me to say. Well, I hope you have a very fun, enjoyable weekend, I'm, a rare weekend off for all of us. I'm going as Peter Pan. What are you going as? <laughs> On Sunday, trick or treat. Yeah, my son was Peter Pan for two or three years nice. when he was much, much younger than you. And I now know exactly how old you are based on I am your old. birthday earlier in the I week. I am old. Are you dressing we have up? Reached the point, we have reached the point. I don't know if I'm going to have a costume on. We've reached the point where... My daughter is being shuttled somewhere to do trick or treating with her friends. Oh, okay. With without 
parental without involvement. You, without you watching her. Okay. Yeah, and All my right. son, I think, is going to sit in the driveway and, and help us give out candy. Oh, that's cool. So we've, we've crossed to the other yes. side of the giving, receiving of candy. <laughs> See, Steve and I are probably in that, in that same mold where... A, we're going with our kids trick-or-treating, and we're yeah. probably all dressing up. Like my wife, yes. we're doing the Peter Pan theme, Dave. Very nice. So we're going to be So are out both of your girls Tinkerbell, or is one of them Wendy? So Gianna is, my wife's right here, Gianna's Tinkerbell, and Alaria will be Wendy. Annie is Captain Hook, and I, ah. of course, am Peter Pan, wearing tights. Very nice. Very so. nice. Well, look... I would have loaned you Stella. I mean, that dog, Nana was, I think she was a St. Bernard, or was she a Newfoundland? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You'd have to come with me, though, Dave. Like, you'd <laughs> yeah. have to be there. Stella, so you could would pass. Have to be. Stella could pass for the the darling family dog. Steve, what are you going as? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Steve's I think, like, listen. I think we're all baseball players this year. I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with that? That is a good one. Hence the difference between... Girl one of you with two daughters and one of you with two sons, right? I'm, I'm lucky um, I'm not getting a wig, and my, my girls are going to give me makeup. And, now, are you squeezing into tights? Because Peter Pan... My, my wife just said she has to get me he tights. Was, he was pretty snug in those pants. He was. Sure. I have a different build. I've got you know pretty bulky thighs, so I, I might split <laughs> my tights. So I may just have to wear like jeans. But I don't I don't like to wear jeans, Dave. Have you noticed that about me? I don't like jeans, so I'm, I'm kind of like dress pants or nothing kind of guy. When I say nothing, I mean clothes on, obviously. This is a right. family show. Well, but, Florida, uh, you can get away with shorts much true. of the year. But I feel like if I'm going to go Peter Pan, I've got to be in character. So I probably have to get some tights, and my wife mm-hmm. and I might have to do some shopping this weekend. But I'll let you know. I'll take some pictures, and we'll talk about yeah. it on Monday. Hand on the hips. That's right. That's the Peter Pan pose. Everybody be safe out there. Have fun yep. if you do have little ones. Have a great Halloween. And yeah, be safe. We will be back uh, to preview Lightning Capitals on, on Monday. Monday. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks, Dave. Great job this week, and uh, have a great weekend, buddy. And uh, Steve, you too. too. And uh, to all our listeners out there, again, we appreciate all you do for us. Keep listening. Tell your friends. And we'll do it again on Monday on Lightning Power Play.